Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and it's good to have you with us today. What a beautiful spring morning. Hope you're enjoying this uh, weather. It's, it's really, really good. It's good to be with you today. Okay, we've been talking about paradigm shifts in this series. Has it been messing with your head? Has this series been making you think about the way you think? I had people, now how many people say to me, you know, I'm starting to think about how I'm thinking. I go, that's good. That's good. That's what we're wanting to see. That's what I think God wants us to do, is to, to think about what we're thinking. And a paradigm shift, we've learned, is basically changing the way you think about something. Now, they can come at any time, in any place, because they happen all the time. Maybe you've met somebody, or you've seen something, or you've experienced something, or you've heard something, and all of a sudden, your thinking kind of shifts a little bit. You know, everything still stays basically the same, but you don't see it that way anymore. It's almost like someone's flipped on a light or shed some new light on a particular idea. That's what we've been looking at. One of the things that last week I thought was interesting, uh, I made a comment about, I'd learned last week was that our earliest paradigms form our deepest beliefs. That these early paradigms they go deeper and form our deepest beliefs, and that means sometimes they can be stubborn. We can believe something so long that we get set in our ways. And you don't have to be a senior citizen to be set in your ways. I know a lot of teenagers that are set in their ways. What are you changing? I don't like that. I like camp over here. Why are we changing it now? Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I just got caught up in that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like we experience a change and, oh, we don't like it. And that can happen at any time. And why is that? Because it's in conflict with our paradigm. Because our paradigm shapes our approach, our outlook, how we view things. But one of the things I notice about this, if it's true, if it's true that our earliest paradigms shape our beliefs, then would it be true that our earliest paradigms are shaped when we're immature? Ah, Make sense? That some of these paradigms that I have, like I said last week, you know, I, I still fear dogs. You know, because I got bit by a dog when I was four years old. And it stays, oh, yeah, it stays with you. It stays with you. But should I be afraid of dogs? Some probably, yeah. But not all of them. But I have a fear of about every dog except the one we have in the house. And so paradigms are this way. So it's good for us. It's, if, if it's true, that the earliest paradigms I have are the deepest and they're formed when I'm immature, I really need to look at what I've believed for a long time. Because my paradigm also shapes the way I approach Scripture, the way I approach people, what my expectations of what a church ought to be. Uh, it, it, just has a, it, has, it has an impact on everything uh, in my life. Now, that's why I think God is so interested in changing the way you and I think. Because if he, if he can change the way we think, then it'll change our lives. Look at this passage in Romans 12, here up on the screen. We've looked at this every week. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What's he saying there? He's saying your paradigms will be shaped by someone. They, your paradigms, the way you think, the way you approach life, is going to be shaped by something or someone. The world can do it or the Lord can do it. Because he says... Don't be shaped by that. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, their values, the way they do that. Why? Because, because they're not good for you. But instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Last night, uh, Alan mentioned something about the, uh, the staff was honored by some folks. Uh, we had a dinner and a movie, and we watched uh, War Room. I had never seen War Room. I always wanted to. Somebody says, have you seen War Room before? And I'd say, I've seen previews. That's about it. You know, so we watch this movie and it's a faith-based movie. So what's that tell you? It's going to have Christian values in it. Now I just come, come from the house watching Colorado Territory. Joe, Joe McCray. You know, it's a western and they're killing and robbing banks and shooting people and hanging them. And then I come to, to this thing last night and I, See a faith-based boy. What a contrast! See, the world can teach you, will teach you its set of values, and the Lord has a whole different set. See what I'm saying? Where I'm going here? You and I choose. 
Are we going to let our culture press us into this pattern, into this mold with its values and change us? Or are we going to let God change us, transform us into a completely new person? And that starts when we allow Him. And see, that's the most, that's the only really powerful thing you have is your choice. When you and I allow God to change how we think. So He's really interested in how I think and the way my mind works. And so we've looked at things Last week we looked at how does God view people? How should I view people? I had a lot of comments afterwards about that one. And we talked about money. How should I, how should, how does God want me to think about my stuff? And uh, today what I want to talk about is about where God works. Our awareness of God working. Do we think like that? Do we think about that? That God is busy? That God is working? You say, oh yeah, I think about that. Do you? Do you? Do you really think about that God is active and working in your life, in your world, where you work, wherever, wherever you are? Look at this. One time Jesus was, um, He healed a lame man on the Sabbath. And the paradigm of that day was nobody works on the Sabbath. There's not supposed to be anything being done on the Sabbath. And look what Jesus, He, he challenges that. He says, hey, my Father never stops working, so I keep working too. Now what do I just learn about God? That in His nature, His very nature, He's busy. He's working. You know anybody that's busy all the time? I mean, they can't stand still two seconds. they got to be busy and working all the time. God is busy. It's His nature to be busy all the time. He's always working. He's always working. I ask you, let me ask you a question. What is God busy doing? What's He busy doing? Where is He working? Where do you think He's working? What do you think He's doing? You say, I don't really think about that much. That's important, see. That's a paradigm. Because if you're not expecting God to work, you're going to be worried a lot. If you're not thinking about God's working, you're going to think you've got to control everything and make sure everything's done. And it's going to drive you nuts. You're going to lose your mind. When you start thinking, God works all the time. He's working all the time. One of the, one of the aha moments for me, and Alan and I were talking about it last night, just the idea that when we get done talking with somebody or we're studying the Bible with somebody, we believe God is going to work on them. And it really does take the pressure off, doesn't it? It does take the pressure off me. You know, I, I, I got to make sure I get this covered right. I got to make sure I say this just right. I got to make sure I do this just right. Like it's all, I've taken myself way too seriously, folks. God, who does the most of the work, God or me? You know, I, 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 many years I thought, I do a lot around here. I'm doing a lot for God. And actually, God's doing 99.99999% of the work. Reminds me of the time when we build, build, build building board fence with my dad, and we'd come in, working all day, and I'd be, you know, seven years old, and I'd be going, man, you know, mom goes, what have you guys been doing? We've been building board fence all day. And dad goes, wait a minute, I've been building board fence. All you've been doing is holding the nails, son. And I did a good job. You know, but that's all I really, really, when you look at compare, if I compare myself to my dad at seven, there's, I mean, I did 1%. I held the nails as on. He's sawing and hammering and digging holes and all this other stuff and cussing. I learned to do that. You know, he'd say, you got the nails? You'd blah, 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 right. No, no, sorry. I went too far with that. But you know what I'm saying. And, and, and so when we look at our, how we're working compared to God, He's doing most of the work. And a lot of this work He's doing, we don't even see. Because it's not on our radar. But thank God it's on Him. Huh? It's not something we think about a lot because we're too busy. Some of us here are so busy thinking about what we got to get done. God opens doors and we don't see them because we're not thinking about God working, that God's actually working. Or we, we go through the motions at work. We go through the motions in our neighborhood. We go through the motions at home. We go through the motions at church. We're just not that aware. I, I gotta tell you, I don't think about this very much. I'm beginning to. 
that God is working. And when I realize God is working, that God is active, He's not sitting around. I know the psalmists say, How long will you sit there, Lord? How long will you sit there and do nothing? But even while you and I are waiting for God, He is busy. He is busy working. And your paradigm about this really matters. Look at Psalms 111 says, The Lord does great things. Those people who love them think about them. The Lord does, in other words, the Lord does great things, and I can anticipate He's going to, or that He's doing great things, and He will do great things. People who understand this think about Him all the time. I mean, you stop and think about it. Just stop and think about it for a minute. God is busy working. I always thought when He got done creating the world, He stopped creating. He's still creating. He's, he's still ruling. He's still sustaining. He's still working His justice on this earth. He's still comforting. He's still healing. You know, next time you go through a tragedy, He's going to work to help you and comfort you. Next time you get hurt, He's going to work to heal you. He's still guiding. He's still working and guiding me. He's still protecting me. He's still leading me and moving me. He's still revealing and restoring things. He's busy all the time. Do I think like this though? You say, Tim, why are we talking about this? I don't know. This popped in my, when I, we did a series, this thought was nagging me. To, I'm going, Lord, what in the what, what, what do I do here with something like this? You want me to talk about being aware of you? Yeah. Because everybody's got junk in their heads, Tim. It's all flying around in there. And some of you are thinking about what you're going to do after church. And if you had, you are now. You're thinking about what happened this week. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's next month or next year? You're thinking about a doctor visit. You're thinking about a struggle. You're thinking about the job. You're thinking about a challenge. You're thinking about something broken. There's, all this stuff is competing for my paradigm. You understand? It's all working, working its way to get at the center of what I'm thinking and doing and strategizing and planning and getting excited about. And God says, hey, hey, I need to be in the middle of that. Put me in the middle of that, Tim. And while you're there, be aware that I'm working. I am busy. I'm busy on this earth. I didn't stop creating after the first, you know, Friday. Remember, he took the day, Sabbath, Saturday. Thought you were going to catch me, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. And that was, and he was, listen, he rested one day and he's been working all the time ever since. Look what it says here in Psalm 77. Look how the psalmist says it. I recall all that you've done, O Lord. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. What he's talking about, you know, count your blessings. Yeah, but yes, he is. He's counting his blessings, no doubt about that. Can I tell you, when you count your blessings, you can count on God. If you can count on God what he's done, you can count what he's done. You can count on him to be doing something, and he's going to be doing something. Amen? You can count on that too. And that's why the psalmist here is saying, I'm always aware that God is active. I'm always aware that God is up to something. I'm always aware wherever I go, God is, is trying to do something. God's trying to change something. Even when I'm by myself, God is working on me. And wherever I go, He's busy. I ask myself, do I think like this? Or does my paradigm more about what? About my work and not about God's work. Where's my paradigm with this? Where does it settle? Where does it rest? That's why this morning I want to talk about four promises about God's work. Four promises He makes to you when it comes to His work. What are they, Tim? Number one, God promises to always work with me. He promises to always work with me. No matter what's going on, no matter what you're going to face this week, listen folks, you are not going to face it alone. If you are a believer, if you love the Lord, you will not face that alone. Because He promises to work with you. I did a quick search. I love 
I, I have an old uh, computer program, QuickVerse. It's, you know, it's, uh, I don't think anybody uses it anymore. I think you go to Bible Gateway or Study Live, but I use QuickVerse. And, and I typed in there, the Lord is with you, or with you, or I even typed in the Lord one time. And thousands of verses, and I'm reading every one of them, looking to see, looking to see, looking for people, and to see if God, what's He say about working with them? And I noticed something. Every character in the Bible, every faithful follower in the Bible, somewhere it says, the Lord is with them. The Lord is with them. Adam, and the, and Adam walked with God. What's that mean? They were like peas and carrots, man. They were together. They, he walked with him through the garden. If it wasn't, uh, you got, uh, uh, what's it? Abraham and Sarah. They're an old couple, no kids, and some angels show up, they're with them, and says, by this time next year, you're gonna have a son, cause the Lord is with you. You've got a boat builder, and the Bible says that Noah walked with God. You're building this boat in the middle of nowhere, and it's never rained, doing something crazy, everybody thinks you're cuckoo. How can you do that? How can you do something for God you don't understand without losing your mind? Because you know He's with you. That's all that matters. There's this kid, and he interrupts breakfast one day. He says, I had a dream, and I'm a big shot, and all of you are little shots. And all the family gets tense. He's wearing this nice pretty coat his mom made him, and they sell him off. They get rid of him. They're going to kill him. They won't kill him. And they sell Joseph off to slavery. He works in this guy's house. And you, and you think, okay, it's, okay, it seems like uh, at least he didn't die. He's a lucky guy. And then the wife says, You're try- he tried to rape me. He tried to frame him. wanted to sleep with him. He runs out of that wonderful coat. He, that coat got him in trouble. And he gets, he gets out of Dodge City. He ends up in prison. He ends up being in prison and then he ends up with Pharaoh's, as Pharaoh's right hand man. And when his brothers finally see him, he says, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. And if you read the story of Joseph, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. He's with everybody. All these people. This little baby's born. And it's a male child and it's going to be killed. And so the mother hides him in a basket and puts him in, in the water and off he goes down the Nile. And like I told the first service, we sing to the kids, he could have been ate by a crocodile. You know, it rhymes with Nile, you know. And so we're having fun with that song. And, and who finds, oh, he's just so lucky. We think this sometimes with each other. Oh, he just seems to be so lucky. She seems to be so lucky. They got a good job. They got a good husband. They got a good wife. They got a good, they're lucky. I'm not. Really? You think that's what that is? It's luck? Luck? We're rolling dice here? What are we talking about? Oh, this woman that happens to be royal family finds this baby. God guides that along. He grows up. And out in the middle of nowhere, when he finally leaves Egypt, what's he do? He sees a burning bush. What is this? And it's the presence of God. God is with Moses. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Oh, I can't do that. What if the people don't believe me? Who will I say fed me? I can't talk. You're pretty good at making excuses. And God says to Moses, I will be with you. He's constantly with his people, constantly with his people. Guy played second fiddle to Moses, played it for several years, second fiddle, Joshua. And when Moses dies, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for I will be with you like I was with Moses. Got a farmer, and he's harvesting his grain in secret because he's afraid somebody's going to steal it, and a voice says to him, you are a mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? I don't feel like a mighty warrior. I'm in the smallest clan, the smallest family, and we notice I'm the shortest kid in the family. I'm the run of the bunch. You're a mighty warrior. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And what does the Bible say? Gideon crawls out of that hole 
literally a hole, and leads Israel out of bondage. And at the end of that story, I love it. It's almost like he's got his foot on the neck of this king. And he, and he says, who do you think I am? And they said, well, you're a, you're a son of a king. <coughs> no, you're a son of a king. Wow, God was right. How'd this happen? God is, it says God is, it started this way. God is with you, mighty warrior. He'd have been a failing farmer without God with him. Shepherd boy, he's taking care of some sheep. Here comes a bear. <clears throat> Here comes a lion. Grabs it by the beard. <clears throat> Kills it. He's a little scruffy little kid. Red-headed. I think of Danny. And he's going to go see his brothers. And you hear this, the fat Albert of Philistia, you know. Hey, hey, hey. It's Goliath, you know. And he's bragging. And, and it says, the Bible says David heard it. Is that? Don't you know? Are you the only person around here? What are you doing here? His brothers are giving him a hard time. Look, I'm not trying to make any trouble. I just want to know what's going on. Well, this guy is challenging us. And somebody's going to go out there. And they're all shaking like the tin man in the Wizard of Oz. Just shaking in their boots. And David says, I'll go. I'll go. Saul go Saul, he meets King Saul, another big man in the area. And Saul won't go out and meet Goliath, but David sets her and tells Saul, I'll go. And he goes, oh, how can you go? You're just a little kid. Don't you understand? I had a bear attack me and a lion attack me. And because the Lord was with me, that guy is going to fall like those two. And doesn't he say that to Goliath? I come to you in the name of the Lord. God works with His people. There's a queen, gorgeous looking woman, a ten, a knockout, supermodel. And she's a queen. Happens to be the queen. And by the way, the book of Esther never mentions God by name, and yet you see Him working with this woman for such a time as this and saves Israel. Do I need to go on? 15-year-old is pregnant. An angel appears to her and says, Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. And she says, Your servant is listening. Whatever. What do you want me to do, Lord? And Mary gives birth to the Son of God. And it just goes on and on and on. little short guy, little tax collector. Jesus notices him. And by being together, this man changes, radically changes. And those twelve disciples, what can we say? They're fishermen. But they learned to be fishers of men. Why? Because the Lord was with them. I love Psalm 16. David says these words, I am always aware of the Lord's presence. What's David's paradigm? I'm always aware God is working and He's working near me and He's working with me. I'm always aware that I'm never alone. Ever. He's always around. He is near, he says, and nothing can shake me. Really, nothing can. Because He's close to me. Are you aware of the presence of God? Often do you think of the Lord Often you think about His presence. The Bible promises, God promises that He's always near, that He'll work with you. He'll work with me. John 14, look what Jesus said. He said this just before He was crucified. I'll not leave you all alone like orphans. I will come back to you. You know, I noticed something. God can't stay away from us. He can't stay away from you. All hell breaks loose. He gets killed on the cross. They put him in a tomb, seal up with a big rock, and that can't stop him. He comes back. Because that's really what the context here in John is about. He said, he's saying, I won't leave you like orphans. I'm going to come back. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to come back. I'll prove it to you. And when he gives this job to these disciples, listen church, when he gives this job of going out and making disciples to all the world, what I notice is, he, he challenges their paradigm. He says, look, I want to improve your paradigm a bit here. I want you to think about this. And in Matthew 28, he says, remember. Circle that word, remember. That's the paradigm. Think about this. Remember this. I'm always with you until the end of the world. I have a question for you this morning. What would change if this was always on my mind? 
Same problem. Same situation. Same work environment. Same campus. Same home. But what would change? If you realized, if we realized to remember that Jesus says, I will always be with you as a disciple, would that change anything? I think it would radically change everything. Would I worry as much? Would I be afraid as much? See, what are you facing? What are you facing? What have you been facing? And what are you facing tomorrow? What do you need to do? What do I need to do? What's the step in front of me? I want to tell you, no matter what's going on, whatever you're facing this week, you are not going to face it alone. Whatever you're going to do this week, God promises, as if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian and a disciple, He promises to work right beside you. Number two. I'll tell you, that's right there. That's the sermon right there, huh? We could just stop right there, couldn't we? That's enough, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not. Now I've got to go on. Okay, number two. God promises to always work for me. You know, I read my Bible, I keep reading it, and there's this timeless truth that just keeps reoccurring over and over and over again. That God is for me. And He is for you. I think someplace in the Bible it says, if God is for us, who can really be against us? Who can defeat us? That's the power of God's presence. And, and, and the motive of God, that He is for me. See, there's times I've thought, maybe you've thought this, I've thought this, God isn't for me, He's actually against me. But the truth is, He's not against me. I'm against Him. I'm the one that's making it tough. I'm the one causing the problem. God opposes the proud. He's against the proud. Why? Because the proud are against Him. You see what I'm saying? It's usually the other way around. It's not that God's against me, but I'm against Him. And these paradigms sometimes just prevent me from cooperating with Him and trusting Him and obeying Him. I love Psalms 92, verse 4. You thrill me. You thrill me, Lord, with all You have done for me. I will sing, I will sing for joy because of what You have done. He said, the psalmist is sitting here saying, you know, why am I so thrilled? Let me tell you what I'm so thrilled about, so excited about. All the things you've done for me. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, I wish God would do some things for me. Wait a second. He's not a stewardess or He's not a waitress. He's not a bellhop. He's not your employee. Well, I wish God would do this for me and this for me. He's not Santa Claus. Now, what's He mean by this? For all you've done for me. He's not talking about doing this for me and this for me and this for me. You're my servant. No, he's talking about, I'm thrilled because of what you've been doing for me because I can't do it. You can. And that's, I'm just marveled. I'm so thrilled that, you know, you showed up and did something I couldn't do. You see, church, listen. Let's just be real a second here. You and I do not possess the power and wisdom that we think we have. We don't have the power and wisdom to make life work. You might say, mm, I don't know, Tim. I don't think I need a lot of help. Really? Really? You don't think you need a lot of help? I'll tell you what, here's how much power and control you, you have. Here's how much you'll find out how much power and control you'll have. Just get sick and see how much power and control you've got. Huh? I'm getting sick. What's wrong? Oh no! I'm still Denise. I'm not feeling good. Oh, get sick. Have some kids. Just have some kids. Last week, I went to two soccer practices of both my three-year-old granddaughters. No, oh. it's like herding cats. It's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. Kick them over there. Over here. 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 Whoa. Over here. 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 Come on. Over here. Over here. Don't you understand? I'm three. 
crazy. Have some kids. You find out how much control you got. I, I hear, listen to young parents going, I'm not going to see the movies until 2019 or 2050. You know, it's going to be that long before. I remember when we had our kids. Say goodbye to the theaters, folks, because you aren't going to see no movies. You know, kids, let's go out to eat. Where do you want to go? If you've got kids in the car, you go to McDonald's. I mean, that's the way it is. If you think you've got all kinds of power and all kinds of control, just get lost anywhere. In the parking lot? <laughs> in the woods? Going to town somewhere and you, and you took a wrong turn in Albuquerque, you know? <laughs> I remember one time, the boys, they were small, and Denise and I were at Merrimack Caverns. We've been to Merrimack Caverns several times. And there was a trail right by that cave, by the Mark Twain Cave or whatever that cave is, Fisher Cave, that's what it was. And a little trail, so we go. And it's the sun. Well, we've got an hour to kill before the interpreter gets here. Let's go on a little trail. So we get on the trail. And I've got one of them on my shoulders, and we're walking a trail. Well, the trail starts getting kind of hard to follow because it's, there's no path. So we kind of wing it. This way. We're going down this creek bed. Is there any arrows? I don't see anything. And Denise goes, uh, Tim, it's starting to get dark. What? And I knew it was getting dark. I was panicking. Do you know where you are? Of course I know where I am! And inside I'm going, Oh God, help. Give me a sign. I don't know how to read the stars. Please, God. And so we're walking and it's getting darker and darker. And Denise goes, Tim, I think we're lost. No, we're not lost! Help. And then finally, I, hear, I see a, a flicker of light. It's a headlight of a car. We're going this way. And we go to the road. I knew where I was going. Which way's the camp? I think uh, this is this way. And we go, and I happen to guess right. But inside, I knew. Oh my goodness! I have no control. I get lost in my money, my stuff, my job. I get lost in relationships. I, I make a mess of things. You want to know how much control you got? Just get lost. Shut your cell phone off. Lose your cell phone and see how much control you got. How many of you panic if you can't even find your cell phone? You go crazy. No, we don't have that much power. We're not as self-sufficient as we think we are. That's because life is, listen, life is too large to live on our own. It's just too large. I need lots of help. And I thought, well, I, I outgrew that when I got to a certain age. No. I still need lots of help. And I'm reminded all the time. See, God knows this. He knows this about you. He knows this about me. And so He works in all those places I can't work, which makes about 99.9% .9 of the work of what's going on. And the great thing is, He wants to work for me. He wants to help me. And He's always, listen, He's always working for what's best for me. Is that a paradigm you have? Here's how you know if you have that paradigm or not. Next time the Word of God leads you to a decision, do you choose it or do you reject it? That tells you a lot about if you believe God is working for your ultimate good. Romans 8.28, very familiar passage. Look how it says it in the contemporary English version. We know that God is always at work. Did you catch that? We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves Him. They're the ones God has chosen for His purpose. I want you to know whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're facing right now, this verse makes a promise. As a believer, if you're a Christian, I gotta say this because notice he says he only helps those who love him. If you don't love the Lord, he ain't gonna help you. Kind of sobering, isn't it? I thought God helped everybody. Well, he'll help you in a good way or a bad way. He'll get your attention one way or the other. But I notice this. If you're a Christian, if you're, if you love the Lord, the Bible promises, God promises that He has it covered. 
that He's on it and He's working on it right now for you. You say, well, you, you said something about He works for who? He works for those that love Him. What do you mean by that, Tim? Well, He doesn't work for everyone. He works for those that love Him. Look at Joseph. He worked for him. And he said, God's what you thought was harmful. God meant for good. He worked for a, a, a guy like Paul, the Apostle Paul, who loved him, who says, you know, these chains I've got really have served a better purpose. They're not as bad as they are because they've advanced the Gospel. They've actually done something good from it. God's able to do that. See, God works everything for good. See, love is an overrated word or overused word. Maybe that's the better way to say it. What do you mean, Tim? Well, I say I love all kinds of stuff. I love pizza, I love my dog, and I love Jesus. Well, what are we talking here? I love pizza. But do I think about pizza all the time? Do I center my life around pizza? And I know some of you may, and I don't know what's wrong with you. No, I can't love stuff like I love Jesus, or I can't love Jesus like I love stuff. In fact, think about this. I know I don't think about pizza all the time, yet I love pizza. But if I claim to love Jesus, do I think about Him all the time? Is His work and what He's doing, am I aware of His presence all the time? That lack of thinking of Jesus may be an indicator of my lack of love. See, I can love things, all kinds of things, and they can have little impact on me. And I can love Jesus like another thing. Or I can truly love Him, which means what? Well, to truly love Jesus means that I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to listen to Him. I'm going to trust that He knows what's best for me. I'm going to trust what He says. Now, when you, if, if, you make, if you make this kind of commitment to love Jesus this way, i got news for you. It might get messy before it gets better. Hmm? Right now in my bedroom, and my wife's going to kill me, our closet, it looks like our closet barfed up everything inside it. And it's all over the floor. Look at her smile. She knows I'm right. I walk, see our closet, it's a walk-in closet. It hasn't been a walk-in closet for about ten years. Because we just put stuff in it. You know, if you come over, company comes over, guess what we do? Don't ever go in a walk-in closet. You may not walk out. I mean, it's just stuff. And she finally fed up. She goes, I'm doing something about this closet. And so she just rips everything out. And it just looks like the closet went bleh, And it's just everything. Shoes. She goes, look at all these shirts you don't even wear. And you got a bunch of shirts there. We need to go through this stuff. And I'm going, yeah, but you know what that's going to mean? It's going to be a big mess. Sometimes it's got to get messy before it gets better. Amen? And listen, guys, when God is working for me, and he's trying to do something here. Sometimes it's, he's going to rip everything out and, and go, what are you wearing? She looked at me and goes, you don't even wear these jeans anymore. They don't even fit you. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Just come out and say it. You put on pounds, man. You, you, can't, these, you wore these when you were 30-something. When you know, your waist was as big as a small tree trunk. I mean, come on. Yo, quit dreaming. This is not going to work. You're never going back there. It's, in other words, you mean the old me? I need to get rid of the stuff that belongs to the old me? Yeah. And sometimes God will... He steps in and works with me and for me and says, you don't need this anymore, Tim. But I like that idea. I like that habit. I enjoy doing that. And he says, no, no, it's got to go. It's not you anymore. It won't fit. It doesn't really fit you anymore. Think about it, Tim. Think about it. You're right, it needs to go. But I really like that. And, and, and when we get done, Tim, and by the way, when she had all this stuff out, I walk in the closet, I didn't, I didn't even notice, I didn't have that, you know, like Tetris in that closet, you know. None of that was going on. I walk in, I go, oh, it's so awesome, it's so wonderful. And I said, Denise, is this what we're needing? Yeah, a clean closet. No, no, maybe we need to do this. She goes, I think we got to start one room at a time and just start hacking on this. I'm going, and I thought to myself, my life is like a series of rooms. And God's saying, can we go work on this? And it's going to be messy, but Tim, when we get done, oh, you're going to feel so good. 
You're going to feel so free. All this stuff needs to go. All this stuff needs to be organized and put back where it belongs. See, that's what happens when God starts working for you. And that's what it means when you trust the Lord. You say, okay, let's go look at the closet that nobody else sees. And I'll trust you. God promises to work with me, never alone. To work for me, He helps me, does the things I can't do. And number three, God promises to always work in me. He's going to work in me. I hope you've figured it out yet, but you, when you make a commitment to Christ, you're making a commitment to change. God is going to work on you and in you for the purpose of changing you. And this kind of changing that we're talking about doesn't happen on your own power. I'm not smart enough and I'm not powerful enough to make some of these changes. Most of these changes. Look what the Bible says here. I love. Let's read this together. God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey His own purpose. Did you see that? God is always at work in you. Would you circle that phrase? God is always at work in me. Say this with me. God is always work in me. God is always at work in me. Let's try it again. God is always at work in me. Do you believe that? All the time? All the time. He doesn't stop working. Even when I'm sleeping? Yeah. He has a third shift. Yeah. He keeps working on me, on me, and in me. And this week I had an engine replaced in one of my company vans. I had a dead cylinder a little Ford Transit Connect. I took it to a dealership. They said, Tim, you've got a dead cylinder. It needs a new engine. Just give us $6,000 and we'll put a new engine. I go, <coughs> you know, my pant leg was just rolling up and down real fast. I go, you're crazy. I'm not going to give you $6,000. So we, it's still run. So we get it back to the shop. And Danny goes, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. I know what we'll do. I call LKQ. They're salvage people. I get an engine, a used engine, for $400. And I said, Danny, how about we put it in ourselves? And he gives me that look like, are you nuts? Are you that tight? Well, you know, I just I thought, man, come on, we can do it. Don't you want to see if you can do it? No. It'll probably only take a couple of days. No, it'll take a couple of weeks. Then you and I will be arguing and we'll get into a fight and we won't speak to each other again. Maybe you're right. Hey, Denise, you think we ought to put that engine in? No! Why not? How many engines have you put in? None. You have no experience? No. Are you crazy? Yeah. Don't you want to see? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you just look up to me? Knowing that I, you'll burn a whole weekend and probably another weekend. You'll waste a bunch of time. You'll be in a bad mood. You'll come home giving me the guff, giving the cat the guff, giving the dog the guff. I don't want to hear. I don't want to see it. So what are you saying? Is this like the jeans thing that we already got going on? What are you saying? Let somebody else do it. So I call up this guy named Rodney. And Rodney has a voice like this. <laughs> he has a voice like that. I said, Rodney goes, yeah, Timmy. He calls me Timmy. I said, listen, I could, you think you could put an engine in for me? Why, sure, sure, Timmy. Cost you a thousand dollars. I'll just need it two or three days. You know, Timmy, I don't know if you know this or not, but those engines are really hard to put in. A, a guy would be a fool to try to do it by himself. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no. I go, really? Okay. Did my wife call you? Did Danny call you? So we give him this car. In two days, he has it done. Runs like a top. I learned something. I don't have to do everything myself. I can't do everything by myself. And I have no business trying to do some things by myself. I need to get somebody, get a hold of somebody that has some experience and see the Lord has experience. Rodney said to me, Timmy, I put in 400 engines. Oh, wow, that's 400 more than me. <laughs> and he goes, 
I, I, I'll, I'll get her done for you. And I want you to know, the Lord has worked on billions of people. He's worked in billions of hearts. Somewhere the Bible says, God says this to the minor prophets, He says, I'm going to replace your stone heart with a heart of flesh. In other words, He's going to do an engine exchange. And He knows how to do that. I don't. And so He says He's always at work to make what? To make me willing. There's times I just don't have the the drive, the excitement, the passion. I don't have the motivation. God can give it to me. The willingness and the ability. I don't, I mean, over my head. I don't even know where to begin. God will give you. He says, I'll work in you. And if you'll let me do some adjusting, turn a screw here, pull this over here, move this over here, transform this over here, change this over here. Guess what? You'll be able, not only willing, but able to obey. I'll be, I'll be able to work in you, Tim. I will change you into a brand new person. You won't even recognize yourself. You'll look so much like Jesus. First Thessalonians says this, Therefore we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think... I thought that was interesting. You didn't think... I circled that on my notes here. You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. Folks, we can sit here every Sunday morning and you can listen to me joke, joke around, tell good goofy stories. You can laugh, cry. I can show you a video, have somebody talk. and you know, Everybody's like, oh, well, I'm moved. And guess what? Your paradigm is still intact. It hasn't shifted a bit. Many of you, that's what you've done. Week after week after week, you're doing it. You'll do it today. Unless you want to change that. These are not human ideas. These are not my ideas. Let me tell you, I didn't even want to do this lesson. This wasn't lesson wasn't even on my agenda. But the Thessalonians took those words. They didn't see them as mere human ideas. He says, you accepted what we said as the very Word of God, which of course it is. And this Word continues to work in you who believe. That's where Alan and I, last night, again, we discussed, God's going to work on people. We just give them the Word, let it work on them. So I know God's going to work on you. going to mess with you. Oh, you, you think I'm messing with you. <laughs> God's messing with you. He's going to work on you. And He's going to work in you because He wants to change you. And the last thing is, God promises, is God promises to always work through me. Why, why bother changing, working in you and working with you and working for you and leave it at that. Does He want you just to benefit and keep it? No, He wants to work through you. We talk about this a lot at Greater Alton. But I want to ask you something. Do you anticipate God using you on a regular basis? Every day? Do you think, what's God going to bring me to that He wants to use me? Maybe it's when I get up in the morning and it's in my home. Maybe it's when I'm working somewhere, or maybe it's after work and I'm shopping, or I'm just, you know, out doing yard work. Is God, what, the question I want you to ask yourself is this, how is God using me right now? Where does He want me to work? Where does He want to work through me? What does He want me to do? Proverbs 16.4 makes this promise. The Lord works everything together to accomplish His purpose. Even the wicked are included in His plan. He sets them aside for the day of disaster. It says here, God works through everything. But I want you to know, everything includes everyone. He makes it even clearer. Even the wicked. He has included. you see that word included? He set them aside. It should not surprise me. It should not surprise you that God uses the godly and the ungodly. He does it throughout Scripture. You can think of godly people He used. Can you think of some ungodly people He's used? Unbelievers He's used? They're all over the place. question is, how do I want to be used by God? How do you want to be used by God? you want to be a good object lesson or a bad good object lesson? Or a good bad one, whatever you want to say it. How is God going to use you? I know He wants to use you for good. He has included you. He has set you aside to work through you. First Corinthians says this, 
And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God, listen, by the way, listen to that. I want to, I gotta say something. We need to be open that people do things differently. We need to be open. Amen? People do things differently. Not good or bad, just different. Your wife may be different. Your husband may be different. One church may be different from another church. God says, did I just catch that? And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. It's the same God. We should respect. We should respect ways God uses other people. Instead of being skeptical and competitive. Then he says this, God works in all of us. Did you catch that? He's talking to a congregation here. To a church in Corinth. God works in all of us in everything we do. Whoa, 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 whoa. In everything? In everything. Everything? He works in all things. Everything means everything. Last time I checked. I don't even know Greek to tell me that. God works in all of us. All of us. See, God's not, again, I want to say it again, God's not just interested in changing your personal paradigm. He wants to change our church's paradigm. And He works in all of us in everything we do. What's God's paradigm? That God's work involves me. I'm included in this. I'm set apart. He involves me. He's saying, Tim, I involve you in what I'm doing. I want you involved. I want to work through you. Now, you've got to let me work with you because you'll get discouraged. Because this is too big a job. And you and you got to let me work for you because you can't do a lot of it. And you got to let me work in you because frankly you're screwed up. And you got to get some stuff straightened out to make you more effective. You follow me so far? So I want to work through you. Philippians 1 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's talking to the church here, Paul is. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. He's saying, then you've worked with me from the first day. Well, what was their first day? Was it the first day when Jesus resurrected? Or was it the first day, was it the first day they became Christians? You'd be the judge of that. But notice it says, from the first day until now. Notice that word first. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now he's saying, there's a finish line. There's a starting point and a finish line. What is he saying here? That God is in it from start to finish. He's in it from start to finish. And, and, and I want you to see something here. I've got to think of what's the good work? Changing me? Well, yeah, it could be that. I think he's talking about the work of the church. To spread the gospel. To help other people find Jesus. He says it began in you. When did it begin? When I became a Christian. And it's going to be completed when? When Christ returns. And so the church of Philippi worked. They worked together to let God work through them as a church. And they all died. And they handed it off to the next generation. And they all died. Before they died, they handed it to the next generation. They all died. They just kept going until it got to us. And it's our time now. It's our turn this time. God wants to work through us. To carry on this work. Now maybe Jesus will come back tonight and it'll be done. Lord, come quickly. I would like that. But in case he's going to wait a few more years or another hundred years or whatever it be, I want us to be faithful to this as a church. That, that we decide in our mind that we start thinking, God is trying to work. He's, and he's, I know He's working. I've saw Him work for me, Tim. I've saw Him work in me. And if you don't think God's worked in you, ask somebody. And maybe they can give you some evidence. But you kind of know, yeah, God's been working. Well, God wants to work through us now. He wants to work through you now. Is that something that's on your mind when you're at the market or you're at work or wherever you are? Oh, God could open the door. Because if I'm thinking about my stuff, I'm going to miss those opportunities. Psalms 138 says this, The Lord will finish the work He started for me. I want to tell you, I don't know what's going on with you today. I don't know what's happening. But I can tell you this, whatever it is, God is in it from start to finish. He is going to complete what He wants done. 
And He wants you to be a part of it. Isn't that something? He wants you to be a part of it. It's on His radar. It's in His hands. And I want to say, you keep going. Listen, Christian, if you're discouraged, you keep going. Why? Why would I want to keep going? Because He wants to finish with you in it. He wants to be with you and work in you and finish this with you. Let me encourage you, Greater Alton, pray about all this. That means everything that happens, anything that's going on, you need to pray about all of it. Trust Him with all of it. Because He knows all about it. And He's got it. But He's not just holding on to it. He's doing something with it. So what's your paradigm this morning? Ask yourself, what is God trying to do? He's trying to do something right now. If Tim's right, then I get the impression then that means he's working right now. And listen, church, yeah, he's working right now, but this isn't the only work. You know what I'm saying? Where are you going? When you leave here, what are you going to be doing? What, what, are you going to be thinking, man, God could be up to something? Not could be. He is up to something. See how the paradigm messes with us? He is up to something. He is busy. He is trying to do something. Man, God, I want to be in it. Can I get in this? I want to be in it. Well, I didn't bring you to here, Tim. Just sit and watch. I heard somebody say to me this week, I know there should be more going on in my life than sitting in a chair and writing a check every week. That's exciting when somebody figures that out. Huh? I, want to, I know it needs to be more. And I would say whatever that step is in front of you, I wonder what that step is. It's a commitment to Christ. I know it includes that. Make, take that step. And when you do, your, your life just moved and now you're able to see the next step. And the next step. But I want to encourage you this week, especially, just start thinking like this. Start thinking that I need to be aware that God is he's present all the time. He's moving all the time. He's busy all the time. And some things that you and I do, well, you may have not had anything to do with what happened with the Koreas. But maybe you prayed about it. So maybe you did. And you say, well, I don't know. I, you think I can... Listen, understand, He's working with the nations and He's working with you where you live. So let's leave here with a purpose, a new sense of purpose. God is working. He's always working. Let us be curious as to where and willing when we get it. When, we, when our paradigm leads us to, I got it. I know what I need to be doing. You have a card in your bulletin. It's a chance for you to, to maybe write a comment or a prayer request in that, on that card. We have a team of people that pray over those cards. Your leadership, your eldership looks at those cards. We pray over those as well. Just ask you to, if you would, you know, think about this morning, where does God want me to start working? Or better yet, maybe ask yourself, where do I need to be aware of? That God's working with me? That He's working for me? Have I not been giving Him enough credit? What if He's working in me, what is He trying to change? What does He want to change? And since He wants to work through me, where does He want me to work? Where does He want to use me? Be thinking about that as you fill this card out. We're going to pray and sing a song and uh, while you do that. And then we'll sing another song, take up those cards along with uh, our regular contribution. I don't know if you've noticed, we've got over $20,000 so far. For special contribution. So, yeah, it's cool. We're over 21. But um, ask you as members to give generously. Alright? Let's, let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Father, for this series. If anything, Father, I'm just more aware. More aware of how I think. I can, I can sometimes, Father, I can sometimes identify my stinking thinking now. I see where I think bad. I think awful. I think I've got Father, well, I pray you help help each of us here this morning as we think about our paradigms. We ask you to help us bring them closer to what the way you think. 
Father, change the way we think. Maybe it's, we need to change the way we think about a person. Change the, help us change the way we think about a situation. Change the way we think about something in Your Word. Change the way we think about, Father, maybe a decision. Father, help us trust You that You work. That you'll take care of us. Just to love You and trust You. Father, we do love You. Help us show that with our trust and willingness to obey. Father, we praise You. We praise You, Father, for being a God that works. That You're always working. Oh, help us see where You're trying to work in our life. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.